right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. that. You don't got time that. All right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Schwert and Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Have you seen the news? Hmm? Hmm? What do you mean? There's a lot of news going on. No, but the news of the day. Are you referring to Bryce Thompson? I'm not. Okay. That is some news. I don't think I don't think it's the news. That's what I mean. There's lots of news. I mean that could be your opinion, but it's not. There's in world my news world. going on, local news, other types of <laughs> you news. You seem you seem to really just have a firm grasp on everything that's happening. Uh, lots of news. World news and news. local news. News over there, news over here. There could be a war going on. Might there's be. always there's always yeah, a war. Know, yeah. War on Multiple. drugs. Yeah. You know. White Claw has announced <laughs> That they're releasing a new 8% alcohol seltzer. And it will be packaged in a 16-ounce can as opposed to the regular 12-ounce can. So normally, you're getting 12 ounces of 5%. Uh Now you're getting 16 ounces of 8%. Oh, wow. I mean, really silencing all the haters. You think there were haters? There are so many White Claw haters who just say, like, you're a sissy for drinking that. What's the deal with hard seltzer? What now? What do you have to say now, haters? Because now you can say it's more alcoholic than the beer you're drinking. Right, exactly. Because I love that, too. I would assume that the people who hate White Claw are the ones who say that it's not, it doesn't have enough alcohol in it. But, like, you know, if you're drinking a Pilsner, if you're drinking Bush Light or Bud Light or whatever, that's 5%. So White Claw's the same amount. And White Claw drinkers love telling people that, too. <laughs> it's got the same amount of alcohol. Do you drink seltzers? Hard seltzers? I am more of like a beer person, but every now and then, you know, I'll dabble, especially when it's summertime. Yeah. You know, summertime, you might have been outside mowing the lawn, and then you want to come back in, you want to crack a beer. Perfect for those are, you know, the White Claws or summer shandies are good for that. And then every so often, it's like, you know, if you're, Trying to watch your calorie count. Sometimes it's better to drink one of those than drink a bunch of beers one night. Are they lower? Yeah, they're lower in calorie. I don't know if these will be. Anytime something's like, we got tons of stuff in it, but there's zero calories. Isn't that sort of uh, like a red flag? Well, what's in it? Yeah, Yeah. like what did you put in this thing? And should should I be putting that thing into my body? (laughs) It's called White Claw Surge. That doesn't sound healthy just based on the name well you remember the surge soda maybe that's what i'm thinking of which was basically that banned <laughs> i don't think it was banned <laughs> i think it just uh i think it just kind of went out um i wonder if they still, still have it at, you know we could go check mass street soda well okay i'm at the website now and it says the web's the surge.com okay. which is basically just like a, a worse version of mountain dew and the, the, the top bar says, Surge will be leaving shelves soon, so you may experience limited availability, which surprise, like it makes me wonder, like has this website been updated <laughs> in a long time? Surge has its own Instagram page. Dude, I got to follow Surge on Instagram. 
I thought hashtag it got. surge comeback two hundred and seventy five weeks ago. How many how many years ago is that? That's like five years, over five years. <laughs> the comeback. That's the last post by Surge on Insta. The question is though, did it get banned or did they just like go out because? Why it was... do you keep thinking the Surge got banned? I think it is banned from what? What do you mean banned? Like, did it get banned? Was it, like was Donald it Trump too got bad banned from you? Twitter because it was too harmful? You think people were like ODing That's on Surge? That's what I'm saying. Was that the case, or was it just like, oh, we got beat out by Mountain Dew? I, I, I think is probably the latter. I don't, I don't get it, man. Like, why do you need more? I have a buddy who works for a liquor rep, and uh, he saw me tweet about this earlier. And his company doesn't sell White Claw; they sell Truly. Okay. And so he got mad at me for plugging White Claw. So then I made I had to counteract it with a plug for Truly. But he told me that Truly makes or they're coming out with freeze pops. Like popsicles. Whoa. That's a game changer. That I will consume. It it's gonna be the exact same thing, but you put it in popsicle form, now I'm interested. And like they're gonna make like sherbet and stuff, like just all sorts of frozen treats. I can't wait to just get absolutely ripped off popsicles this summer. <laughs> I love that. By the way, I'm reading the Surge Wikipedia page, and it's actually delightful. Surge was advertised as having a more hardcore edge, much like Mountain Dew's advertising at the time in an attempt to lure customers away from Pepsi. It was originally launched in Norway as Urge. And they added the S mm. somewhere along the way. Beautiful. For edginess. Strategy. I love that meeting. Some guy came in. They're like, we're just not selling enough. What do we do? He's like, hear me out. I got this. What if we had an S? Johnson? <laughs> I love it. We need more people thinking like this, right? Outside the box. So, uh, yeah, be looking. Be looking out for that. And, and be looking out for the push pops, right? I'll probably, I'll probably uh, to keep my friend happy, I'll probably go towards the... I just want to... Dude, popsicles are so great. And you're going to put a little... Have we done a Let's Rank stuff of popsicles? Uh, like popsicle flavors? No, like types? there's different types. Of no, popsicles. I think we did a Let's Rank stuff for um, it's like ice, ice cream, cream truck treats. treats. Okay. Yeah, things you can get so in ice do cream popsicles. Truck. You have bomb pops. You have the otter pops or whatever people call them. Yeah, and push pops. Yeah, push. Those are different. Okay. Um, you have these, the truly ones, uh-huh. all kinds. Yeah, well, those ones aren't out yet. Be on the lookout though. Mm. Later, this is more of a summer treat. We're okay. not really there yet, right? It's not. Popsicles are on a 90-degree day thing, 85 or above probably. Mm-hmm. Today, it's like 65. That's far too chilly to be consuming a Popsicle. Um, but, yeah, you mentioned it earlier, man. The other news, not to be outdone, Bryce Thompson has entered the transfer portal. A bit of a surprise here, I guess. Um, I had heard whispers. I would seen people talking about it a couple of weeks ago, but then it. I, I, I heard um, some more people talking about it over the last couple of days. But when I was told about it, it was a bit of a surprise, right? Um, you see that come across the line earlier today, and it just didn't make sense from the aspect of looking towards next year as to who has a chance to sort of take a jump and increase their role. Next season, Bryce Thompson would have been the top of that list. And especially considering the relationship that that got him to Kansas, the relationship between his dad who played for Bill Self at Tulsa. And that was a big reason why he ended up at Kansas. It was a frustrating season for Bryce, but you still kind of thought, okay, 
He was injured twice. It makes sense that things didn't go the way he wanted to. He averaged, what, 17 minutes a game. Scoring wasn't really there. The shot never fell. His shooting numbers were abysmal. So you could say, well, he wants to play more. He wants to have a bigger role. But you could also just point to the lack of production and say, well, that's why he didn't play. I mean, with the way the Christian played at the end of the season, you felt like there was an opportunity for if, if Bryce was really thriving, then there was an opportunity to surplant Christian as the two guard. But it never happened because he couldn't hit a shot. He turned the ball over a ton. Like it's it, You don't have to really dive deep into this story to figure out why the guy wasn't playing. Yeah. Um, I think he ended up shooting worse his freshman season from three than Marcus Garrett did, which remember what we were saying about Marcus Garrett's shot back as a freshman. It just makes it tough to play. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if we're looking up at this in a few years the same way that, you know, we looked at Quentin Grimes where as a junior or something, Bryce Thompson looks out there and he's a third-team All-American or something, or he's having a lot of success on the school. And it's like, man, we couldn't have kept him around. And you look back and say, yeah, I mean, it would have been nice, but – I think there were some factors here that you couldn't really control. Like, Quentin Grimes didn't want to be the off guard necessarily. He wanted to be able to be more of a lead guard. And with Bryce, I don't know how much of it's about fit. Maybe some of it is about fit. Maybe some of it is about competing for minutes. Maybe he does want to get more minutes. I never really got that sense. He seemed like he was always happy, uh, just a smiling guy. A smiling guy. I, factual. Point out okay. the thing that was wrong there. Um it almost sounds I don't like think anybody's ever said that about somebody before. He's a smiling guy. He is. He is. Come on. Look you at the smile. More. Happy people, good people. Um there have been That some would be reports. funny though. That would be funny. Sorry. No, it's okay. It would be funny to watch a guy specifically in basketball cuz like football you can't really see their faces to to watch a, a guy who's smiling the whole game. Not like just when, like occasionally, but I'm saying a constant smile throughout. Like so he's like bringing up the ball, he's bringing up the ball, and he's just <laughs> ear to ear, just <laughs> maybe he's even giggling his to himself. Three point celebration. He does like the smile, and he's like touching <laughs> his cheeks and the dimples. Yeah. Uh, um, Bryce Thompson released a statement that said, "While it was difficult." year for many reasons. I'm thankful to have had the opportunity to play at the University of Kansas. Thanks to Coach Self and his staff, the doctors, trainers, my teammates, and the fans for your support all season long. With that being said, I have made the decision to enter the transfer portal. And so there were some early reports. I know Matt Tate said this, that he is looking at, like, the favorite is Tulsa. You know, this isn't a move where it's like, oh, he's going to Michigan State, or, you know, you're going to Tulsa. That's an AAC school, right? Yeah. It To me, all this points to he's homesick and I mean that's tough he Kansas isn't that far from Tulsa we're what four and a half hour drive so you got to be really homesick and part of me wonders had there not been a pandemic going on this past year where I feel like it would be even more difficult to avoid that homesickness right it's not like Bryce Thompson was going out or for all we know I don't know uh could go out to bars and stuff with everything open there's a pandemic going on you know you're stuck in your room you're playing video games. You're only hanging out with your teammates, basically. And that's going to make you even more homesick because you're not getting to experience the full college lifestyle. So I wonder if this move, again, I, I don't think it's a an indictment on Bill Self. I don't think it's an indictment on Bryce Thompson. I, I think it's just he's homesick and he wants to go home, and it's bad timing with the pandemic that he wasn't able to kind of move away from that this year. Well, I don't know, man, because somebody on Twitter told me that it's because he's soft. <laughs> So it could be that okay. too, according to Jeff one three five on Twitter. Oh. 
I mean, dude, you cannot like a guy's decision, and I know that there's still a lot of people who hate seeing this because they want to see a guy, you know, fight and battle for playing time and, and playing position, and that's fine if that's what you want out of college basketball. I'm not here to tell you that you're wrong or you're asking too much. What I am here to tell you is that's just not the era that we are in anymore. I thought, I thought, and I'm going to give this guy credit because I thought this guy made a, a really good point earlier about Bryce Thompson when he said, we are exiting, this guy's name is Sean. Um, I don't know how to say his last name, but uh, he says that we are exiting the one and done era and entering the free agent era of college basketball. Fans will continue to love and support the Hawks, but this era really is kind of soul crushing for those who love watching kids develop both on the court and their love for their school. Yeah, maybe it is still crutching. I can't speak to that. What I will say is that the idea that we are exiting one era and entering a new one, going from a one-and-done era to a freedom of movement, free agency era, is absolutely true. It's absolutely true. I don't think, I mean, I don't know if the numbers back it up, but I don't think we're seeing less guys go pro after one year. But I think what we are seeing is guys just saying, this isn't like a one year and now I got to go because my clock is ticking I think we're going to see more guys who just say, one year doesn't work out, let me go try it somewhere else before I make that leap. Going pro after one year is not the only option anymore. Like, I can go somewhere else in college and maybe raise my profile, as opposed to just thinking, I either got to stick it out one year here or go pro. Because the old option, number three, was transfer and sit out a year, which is so unattractive for some guys to say, well, now I am already feel like I'm one year behind. If I transfer, now I'm going to be two years behind. Well, now you don't have to worry about that. It's a much more attractive option when trying to decide between two things that aren't right for you. Going pro or staying here another year. I'm not. Neither one of them are going to help me. Now you've got a very attractive third option, and I think we're going to see a lot of guys. You're already seeing it. Thousands of guys taking advantage of it. So when trying to figure out why Bryce Thompson made the decision he made, I mean, it's interesting to talk about, and I'm and I wonder what the true reason is. Is it playing time? Is it you didn't like the role? Is it like Quentin Grimes? You want to go be the point guard and, and be the ball handler because that's what you think you're going to play in the league? Maybe, but the reality is it doesn't really matter because these types of decisions are going to become more and more evident. And five years from now, if we continue to see this, because this is five guys now, five guys from KU who have transferred. That is an absurdly high number regardless of what era we're in or how things are changing. Five guys from one team is an incredibly high number. But this is going to become the norm. Guys who don't feel like they're in the perfect situation now are going to bounce for something else. Do you think that this is reflective at all in how Bill Self has built this roster, where it is very much something you've talked about over the last week or so, this idea that you don't really have like the developmental pieces on the roster. Pretty much everybody on the roster is a guy who you look at and say, oh, they could play X amount of minutes for this team. You know, they could crack the rotation for this team if they win that position battle. They don't have somebody where it was like last year with a Latrell Jossell or a Jethro Muskinen where you look at and say, you know, they're not going to be there this year. You know, yeah. they're not going to be part of the rotation. Maybe in three, four years. Do you almost view Bill Self putting together a roster where it doesn't have any of those guys as, you know what, why even bother with that? Because if I try to bring in a player who is going to be more of a developmental player, and I have to wait two, three years before he can crack the rotation, he's probably going to transfer out by then. 
So why not just bring in as many win-now pieces as I can, and if I lose some of them because they lose the position battle and they don't play as much as they should, I'll just do it all over again next year. Yeah, well, I mean, absolutely. To answer your question, in short, yes. I mean, we talked about this a lot over the past couple of weeks. You keep bringing in guys. I mean, let's just go through them one by one. Uh, Joe Yesifu, probably going to be a starter, going to play 20-plus, 25 minutes, 30 minutes a game. If Ochai and Jalen come back, that's 30-plus minutes a game, or around 30 minutes a game for Jalen, above 30 minutes a game for Ochai. Zach Clemens, top 40 recruit, probably plans on playing 15, 20 minutes a game. Uh, Cam Martin, D2 All-American, had offer for, had an offer from Texas. Like Creighton was looking at him. You think he came to Kansas to sit on the bench? I don't. He probably plans on playing 15, 20 plus minutes a game. Christian Brown, even if his minutes go down, he's still playing what, 20, 25 minutes? Christian Brown was a starter this yeah. year. So he plans on playing 25 plus minutes a game. We can keep going. I mean, Dewan Harris probably plans on playing an increased role with Marcus Garrett gone. You can't have 12 guys who all plan on playing 15, 20 minutes a game. It doesn't work. And you can say, well, Bryce may have been ahead of a lot of those guys. Maybe he also could have wound up saddled on the bench again. He could have. Bryce played 17 minutes a game last year. That number could go down if he had come back. It could have. Because we can say, well, what about what about battling and competing for your spot? Okay. But there's also only two outcomes. We, we all know it. The outcomes are he wins out the battle or he loses. He wins, it's great. You lose, you're going to say, what the hell am I doing here? I could have left and, and went to a smaller school or somewhere else that had a better opportunity for me to play, and I, I'd be doing what I want to do. So when, when posed with those two options, it's not that surprising to see him make a decision he did. It's really not. I can't blame him. I can say I wouldn't have done it, but I can't blame him for making that decision. I mean, to your point, like, go back to, like, 2010, 2011. Those teams were stacked, right? And we think back to those teams as, wow, they're loaded so deep. You know, I love all the time is here. Like, Jeff Withy was the fourth big guy. Yeah, but Jeff Withy probably didn't love that. No, I mean, if that happens you know? now, he's probably gone, right? He is. He is, man. I'm looking at the roster right now. That team was deep. That team had 10 guys who played 10-plus minutes. 10 guys. Nobody played more than 28 minutes a game. Well, no more. nobody played more than 29 minutes a game. That team in 2011, this is absurd, the one that lost to VCU. Tyrell Reed led the team in minutes per game. That may, ruin a trivia question. That could wind up on our CST <laughs> trivia. Okay, so if you're listening to this, congratulations, you've done yourself a favor. But like Marcus Morris, Brady Morningstar, we're around 28-27. Tyshawn Taylor, 27. Markeith Morris, 24. Josh Selby at 20. T-Rob at 14. Mario Little at 13. Elijah at 14. Uh, Travis Relaford at 10. That's 10 guys. Bill Self never goes 10 deep. He went 10 deep that year. And and that's just counting guys who played double-digit minutes. Jeff Withy played six. Six minutes a game. Guys don't want to come into Kansas, expect to play 20 minutes a game, and then play six. Nobody wants to do that anywhere. And we look back on that as, but yeah, but but look at what happened to Jeff Withy. Yeah? Look, it was a great career for him, and now he's going. He's overseas making money. But guys today aren't saying, I want to be like Jeff Withy. I want to sit for two years. They're saying, I want to play now. And I don't know if I can necessarily blame him for it. 
we can get into the the comparisons of what's better, what's worse, but I mean, this is what it is. It's the era we're in, and uh, decisions like the one that was made by Bryce Thompson today are going to become much more prevalent in the future. This opening segment is brought to you by CycleZone Power Sports. Of course, CycleZone has all your dirt bike and four-wheeler needs, but did you know they also sell Sea-Doo's, Tracker Boats, and Yamaha Wave Runners? They've been selling watercraft for nearly a decade, and they recently added a second showroom for the new selection. Whether you need speed boats, fishing boats, or a pontoon for that relaxing day on the lake for your family or even just yourself, a beer, and your fishing pole, don't you deserve to feel that lake breeze after the year we've had? CycleZone Power Sports can make that happen. Check them out at CycleZone.com or stop by the dealership on Highway 24 in North Topeka. We'll talk to Matt Tate coming up later this hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Get your car washed because it's probably dirty right now. Whether it's, you know, washing all the germs out, you want to get obviously the germs out of your car, but also you want it to look really nice. Go to Tommy's Express Car Wash. It's wash, rinse, repeat with Tommy's. And guess what? They have an app. It's the Tommy Club app. So download it. I know you have a smartphone, so you're going to be able to download apps. You don't have a flip phone if you're listening to this podcast. I'm just assuming that. And if you do, more power to you. But if you do, then you're missing out on this great deal. Because if you download the Tommy Club app today, you're going to enjoy endless washing for one low price. Endless washing for one low price at Tommy's Express Car Wash. That's unlimited car washes, unlimited clean, shiny, and dry, unlimited use of exclusive app lane at Tommy's, unlimited access to all the Tommy's locations, and there are a lot of them, unlimited guest service, most importantly, unlimited happiness. That's a Tommy's Express Car Wash. So I believe that now I've been, and you know I'm already bad at math, but then like just trying to keep track of the fluid numbers changing. Four scholarships available now, right? With Bryce Thompson gone? That seems like too many. I, are Ochi, you counting the guys who were entering the draft process? Well, no. I mean, yeah, you have to. They're not. They said that they're entering the draft. It'd be three or four. I don't know. Well, Latrell Giselles hasn't been filled. Bryce Thompson now, and then those two guys. That's four. Four guys! I don't really think they have four. They may have four scholarships available. I don't think they have four scholarships available, though, if you're catching my drift. Like, that one's spoken for. It's like seats taken. You know what I mean? It's like Forrest Gump. Seats taken. That's Bill Self talking to recruits about Ochai and uh, Jalen. Seat's taken. What about Marcus Garrett? Is his seat taken? I think his seat, his seat's up for grabs. His seat's like, mm, Marcus, you know, got to give me something. Marcus, is, the season's been over for a month. We still don't know what Marcus is going to do. All right, let's talk about it. Matt Tate, LJ World, KUSports.com joins us now on the show. What's up, Matt? Nothing. How are you? I'm good. Thank you uh, once again for joining us today. So whether or not you were surprised by Bryce Thompson I mean, I know that there had been sort of whispers and uh, about maybe him him wanting out, and, and his freshman season didn't go the way I think a lot of people anticipated it going. But just based off one thing, the the relationship that got him to Kansas in the first place between his dad and and Bill Self, is this at all surprising? In just that he would seem like the one guy who who maybe would stick around in in the same situation where maybe other guys would want to jump ship and try it somewhere else. Sure. Yeah, I think so. I mean, like you said, there there were definitely some whispers. I first heard about him maybe about two weeks ago. Someone mentioned 
that he might be looking to leave. And I couldn't get any more information out of it than that. But um, so, so because of that, I didn't, I didn't really think it was true, but it turns out that it was. And, and so, yeah, I think that's, I think that's right. I, I think that you would expect the family connection that they have with, with uh, self having coached his father and, and the, the, the ton and tons and tons and tons of time that he put into recruiting Bryce and, you know, the, the fun moment they had, you remember when, when uh, they committed and uh, Bryce's dad played the joke on, on self and, and had Bryce, you know, basically tell him he was picking somewhere else. And then they said, you know, ah, gotcha or whatever, <laughs> you know, like they've, they've had that kind of relationship all along. So a little bit surprising for sure. Um, and I think it's made more surprising by the fact that, um, you know, it'd be really easy to see how this would, would make sense if, if you had Frank Mason and Devontae Graham and Marcus Garrett on the roster all coming back and, you know, you just looked and you said, geez, that's, that's three guys at the three perimeter spots that are going to play 30, 35 minutes a game. Where, where are my minutes coming from? But you, you don't necessarily have that with this team. I mean, you might, it might end up being that way, but there's no question that, that it, it certainly looked like Bryce was going to get a chance to, to compete to be one of those types of guys, you know, a 30 minute a game guy. And, and um, even injured, he self-talked him up throughout the season. And look, there are a lot of guys that, um, that, that would not have got the opportunity that he got this year had, had they been injured the way he was. I mean, there, there's a lot of dudes that self would have not trusted or not been willing to plug right back into the rotation after missing as much time as he did because of those two injuries. And, and uh, so, so in a lot of ways, you know, he, even though the injuries were bad luck, he still got a pretty favorable um, run out of it, I thought. And, and so it, it definitely is interesting that, that, that this is uh you know, adding to what's already been a really crazy off season. But, you know, the thing for him, if he's not happy here, he's not happy here. If he wants to go start somewhere fresh as a freshman, right. That's the, that's the other thing here. He'll, he can basically go to a new program and, and have all four years. So um, I, I think that that's, you know, that, that makes sense on some levels if, if he wasn't happy. And, and also KU's going to have no trouble, no trouble filling his spot. And uh, does that mean they'll get a guy that was better than him? Maybe, maybe not. You know, I'm not saying that at all, but I'm saying when you have 1,900 or 2,100 or however many kids are in the portal, when you have that many kids looking to go elsewhere, you, you know, you'll be able to find someone to fill that spot. So um, I, I know fans are freaking out. I know it's been a wild couple of weeks. And, um, you know, I, I, my advice to KU fans is just deep breath, relax, let it all play out. And then when things are done at the end of this, crazy off season, whether that's a week from now or three weeks or two months from now, whatever it is, take a look at the roster then and, and evaluate it then. And I, I'm pretty confident that you'll like what you see. I, I think they're, I think they're improving almost with every one of these moves and, and, you know, losing Bryce is, is definitely a bummer because of his potential. Um, but I still think they'll be able to add a pretty impact type of player to replace him. Do you want to though? I mean, if you're Bill Self, and you're looking at the, the the roster that you already have and the guys who maybe you're trying to get, the guys who you think you're going to get. I know it's difficult to answer when you've got so many open spots as they do right now. But, I mean, where what's the threshold for how many guys you want to bring in that legitimately have a chance to play? Because I know that there's the idea that you just want as much talent as you can possibly get, but that's not completely true is it like you don't want 12 guys on the roster who are all expecting to play 20 plus minutes a game do you right 
Right. No, that that makes it harder for sure. And and you know, uh, on, on some level, that's the player's problem, right? Like like Bill Self's problem or or responsibility is get the best team you can, and, and then the players have to fight for the minutes. The players have to compete to earn their time on the floor. And and if they're willing to sign up, knowing that he's got eleven other guys that that could also play twenty minutes. Then, then they're obviously saying, "Hey, I'm willing to compete for my spot." And and so I, I think I know that sounds a little harsh, but I do think it, it's it's way more of a player concern than it is a coach's concern. I mean, his job is to win games and to, and to field the best roster he can. And and um, you know, it remains to be seen. Like, uh, you know, I'll be the first to tell you, I think they've improved since the end of last season. I think if they can land uh, uh, the prep guard, Ty Ty Washington, or or if they can end up getting Christian Bishop out of Creighton as a transfer, I mean, especially if those two guys come or or even either of them, or if Jalen Wilson or Ochai Abaji come back or both of them come back, I think this is a much better roster going into next season than this one. Um, but that's just one man's opinion. I'm, I know a lot of people share that opinion, and I'm sure there are a lot of fans out there who see it that way too. But it is still factual that that part of it remains to be seen, right? Like we don't know that that's true. But when you just start looking at it a little bit, you know, you, you, you look at the uh, – and I know this isn't trading, so I, I don't want anybody to think that that's what I'm saying this is exactly. But you look at a scholarship player for a scholarship player, um, you, you have Latrell Justell on scholarship. And he played 10 games this year and, and, you know, was injured a couple of times himself and couldn't get really any run at all and and uh, was, a, was a project still, a, a long ranger, right? Well, you're trading him now, his scholarship spot, for a guy like Joseph Yusefu, Yusefu sorry, um, who played at Drake, was a big-time player there, averaged double digits, averaged 23 minutes a game down the stretch over the final nine or I'm sorry, 23 points a game down the stretch over the final nine games of the season. I mean, you know, like when you start doing just one-to-one comparisons like that, I mean, I think you'll find out really quickly that, that, that you're adding to the roster. And, and now the difference is, you know, you've got to put this thing together. You've got to find the chemistry. You've got to find roles that everybody's happy with all those things that you were just talking about. But, I think the, the the thing that coaches are probably looking at a little bit is, hey, look, we just we just put together a 21 season in a, in a COVID year where we had a bunch of new faces playing new roles and didn't get to work with them almost at all in the summer, and we still figured it out. We still finished second in the Big 12. We were still a three seed, you know. So give us our normal time. Give us June 2nd of a report date with all these new faces. And we'll do workouts over the summer, and, and we'll get things in, and, and then we'll have practice starts in October or whenever it is, and, and we'll have plenty of time before the season begins, and, and we'll shape this thing into a team, and, and we'll have that chemistry, and, and, and everybody will know what, what's expected and what their roles are. So I, I think that in a weird, weird way, this just kind of grinding through this COVID year has, has sort of reminded them that, well, we got that out of a really tough hand, and, and so now – Give us our normal season, our normal routine, our normal off season. You know, give us the most talent we can get, and we'll put it together because that's what we get paid to do. So I, I think that, you know, all those things are factors in this deal, and I don't blame people for, for kind of scratching their heads and going, what the heck's going on here? I, I You know, I, I don't at all, but I think I think you can paint this as a win-win for, for the players and the programs. And I, I think that a lot of the guys that have left Kansas are going – to find better places to play for them 
and and places where they can get more minutes. And then I think there's a real good chance that when it's all said and done, Kansas will have found better players to fill their spots. And so you're looking at win, win, win there. So I, I just I don't think it's worth panicking about just yet. Um, but but yeah, I mean, but we're, we're talking about you know if if Jalen and Ochai both stay in the draft, which I don't think will happen, but if they were to do that. You're looking at, at McCormick, Christian Brown, Mitch Lightfoot, and Dewan Harris as your only four scholarship players returning from last year's roster. That's pretty incredible. Do you view it right, as of today? Okay, if you assume, which it sounds like you do, that Ochai and Jalen are going to be back next year, do you do you see any like obvious holes on the roster where you say, hell or high water, you, you've got to get somebody to fill that gap? Um, man, that's a really good question. I, I, I think probably point guard still, right? I mean, yeah. um, you know, especially because in a lot of ways, Bryce Thompson was, was a, a point guard type of player, um, certainly a combo guard. And, and there were even times this season in, in the 20 games that he played where, where self was willing to let him initiate offense and kind of handle the primary ball handling roles when, when Garrett was on the bench or whatever. And, you know, so th- there's definitely, uh, you know, you you could look at him as a guy that was um, sort of quote unquote being groomed to to at least be one of those second type point guards, you know. And and so if you lose him and and you don't have uh, you don't have Marcus Garrett back, if that ends up being what happens there, which is in all likelihood the case, um, and, and then you know you you're, you're basically down to to Dewan Harris, which there's nothing wrong with that. Dewan's a terrific pass first true point guard type of player, but, um, you know, he's still got a little bit to prove to, to, to show that he can handle the full-time role. Um, so, you know, I, I guess, yeah, Bobby Pettiford is, is, is sort of a, a point guard type, sort of a combo guard as well, who could, who could maybe take some of those minutes, but he's also going to be a true freshman. Um, so I, I think, yeah, I think the, the point guard position is probably, I wouldn't call it a gaping hole by any means, but it's definitely, um, you know, I think there are shooters in play. I think you've got versatility. I think you've got wings. I think you've got big men. I think you've got, um, you know, things things you need at pretty much every other spot. Um, it, it's just someone to to not only handle the ball and be a primary point guard and that type of player, but also, you know, to, to be the, the type that obviously no one's going to be an All-American like Devon Dotson, but to play that same sort of style, right? To just be a, a guy who plays fast with the ball in his hands, who attacks, who gets downhill, all of those things that Self always likes to talk about and likes to have his guards do. Um, you know, maybe you're, maybe you're missing that a little bit, but I don't know. Yusufu might be, might be that guy too. I mean, he's certainly shown some pretty good highlights where he, he's not afraid to attack the rim and, and, uh, and, and has that in his game. So, you know, I, I don't think there's glaring holes at all. I really don't. I mean, I, I just think if you're, if you're wanting to add two pieces, you probably add a point guard and, and maybe another big for rebounding purposes. But, but then after that, if, if, if you were to lose any others, if, if Jalen or Ochai stays in the draft, then you go out of shooter, too, because you can absolutely never have too much shooting. So let's say you don't get Ty Ty Washington or Christian Bishop, and, and you've got to kind of start from scratch. You could just go add three shooters, and that would be better than not adding anybody. You know, So it, 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 they have a little bit of that luxury, but I do think they probably need – I mean, Ty Ty Washington at this point would be a – a pretty monster pickup and it looks like he's going to announce his final five over the weekend. Um, and I'm fully expecting KU to be in the final five for sure. 
Um, it's just what happens from there that, that will that will play a big part in you know him deciding where he ends up. If 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 KU lands Ty Ty Washington, who honestly, like if I'm a recruit, I'm playing it the exact way that he did. Like wait wait till late in the process, till you're the only guy left. Um, have a good spring and wait for the Blue Bloods to come calling. Right, you were committed to Creighton. A couple of months ago, and now in the past week, Kentucky, Baylor, <laughs> Texas, Kansas offers you a couple of them. Like, everybody wants a piece of this kid. He played it great. But I'll tell you what, because of the how high people seem to be on him, Matt, if if KU gets him, I think there's a decent chance you're just based off not knowing what you do with the other spots. If KU gets him and you return Ochai and Jalen, you're probably preseason number one, don't you think? Uh yeah, for sure, top three. I would think. You know, I, I mean, mean, that a, starting a lineup of, is that starting lineup is is uh, got to be as good as anybody in the country will be bringing to the table. Yeah, you would you would start Ty Ty, and you would have Ochai and Jalen and McCormick, and and then who else? I mean, it doesn't matter at that point, really, does it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yusefu maybe, or Christian Brown maybe, or Christian Bishop maybe. I mean, there's a lot of options if 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 the roster fills out that way for sure. So. Um, and I'm sure I left somebody out there. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, look, you know, top three, I think is fair for sure. I, I, I think there's a chance that, um, you know, some other teams could have some, some players return that, that, I mean, like a lot of people have UCLA as, as a even preseason number one right now. And, you know, if they return that same roster that, that made that run in the postseason, it's hard to, it's hard to look at that and say that they're not worthy of that, that ranking as well. But, um, but you know, I mean, if, I don't know, man, if I'm Johnny Jazang, I'm not coming back at all. I just, I just blew up on the national stage mm-hmm. and I was already that type of player anyway. And, and, uh, you know, all eyes are on me. I mean, I think probably playing at UCLA and being the man, there's a lot of fun, but I would imagine making, you know, millions is a lot more fun. So I, I, I don't, I don't know that, that the expectations that he should come back, but it, it's just, who knows? You know, there's no, there's no, I, I don't have any read on that situation, but yeah, top three to your point, top, top two or three, top five for sure. I mean, they're already in the top five with, with a lot of uh, those way too early rankings and, and things like that. And, and that was before they added a couple of these guys. So I, I think, uh, I, I think that the, the transfer portal is a, is a crazy deal, and I think that it's, it's adding to some of the chaos right now that you're seeing. Certainly that's the situation with Bryce Thompson right now, but, but, I, but I do think there's a lot of potential for, for good to come out of it. it you know, it, it is going to be crazy. People are going to have to get used to sort of operating and living us, and, and by people, I mean coaches, certainly, but even fans. Maybe the dawn of a new basketball that's just going to be totally different than anything we've ever seen. And, and you know, you may still have a few three-, four-, five-year guys that you can feel the loyalty and get attached to and, and you know, the Mitch Lightfoots and Christian Browns and, and Ochai's and, and players like that. But, um, you know, I, I would caution you against getting too attached to anybody at this point because if, if that one-time transfer thing is in play for players moving forward and – and the transfer portal continues to be what it is, then then guys are going to keep moving, and and people are just going to have to get used to it. And and uh, I don't know that it's the worst thing in the world. I mean, you you look at Yusefu, that that's that's a perfect example of of 
of of a, a situation like that working out for a kid. You know, w- would it have been good for Drake if he stayed there all four years and and that was just the way you did it? Yeah, it would have been. I mean, that's that's a nice player, and he developed, and and you found him and gave him a chance, and now you get to reap the benefits. Um, but but from the perspective of the kid. I mean, that's the dream, right? The dream for all these kids is to go play at Kansas or Duke or Kentucky or North Carolina or whatever. And so if if you put yourself in position, maybe you're a little bit of a late bloomer, but, but you showed, hey, I can play at that level. Give me a chance. Let's see what I can do. I mean, that can be life-changing. You know, that, that could be taking you from somewhere like Drake that doesn't get the, a ton of exposure year in, year out to exposure on the on the blue blood, blue blood stage and – and that could be the difference for some of these guys between getting drafted and not getting drafted, and then you're talking about life-changing money and so on down the line. So, uh, you know, I, I get it from the fan perspective that it's, that it's kind of hard to, to digest right now, but if you look at it from the perspective of these kids, it, it's, it's, it's just opening up opportunities. And for every Bryce Thompson that leaves Kansas, there's another kid like Joseph Yusefu who's waiting at Drake looking for an opportunity to say, hey, I can play on that level. Give me that spot. And there it is. You know, and again, I know it's not a trade, a one-for-one situation. It doesn't work that way, nor should it. If it got to that point, we're in problems. But but it's not there. And, and so I think that, you know, it it's just something that people are going to have to, you know, kind of get their heads around. And, and I, I'd, I'd rather be a fan getting my head around it than a coach getting my head around it because that is, uh, that, that is headache stuff right there, if you ask me. He's Matt Tate, LJ World, KUSports.com. Hear him here every Tuesday on RCST. Matt, thank you as always, man. Yes, sir. Hey, good luck to you guys with the upcoming RCST trivia. I'm really uh, thrilled that it's back for another year, and and I'm looking forward to – I thought last year was as exciting as it could get, but I think this year, from everything that I've heard, from people that I've talked to, it sounds like this one's going to be even more That's intense right. and exciting. So you're talking to the right I can't people, then, man. Sources on that, yeah. But but it it sounds like there's some serious drama coming up, and I I can't wait to see how it plays out. So good luck. All right, thank you, man. We'll hit you with some questions next week. All right. I'm in. Yeah, you know you know that I'm good for one for three every week. So sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again, Matt. All right, you guys take care. All right, that's Matt Tate, LJ World. Yeah. Matt teased it for us. RCST trivia coming up next. Quick shout-out to all of our sponsors, RCST Trivia, 23rd Street Brewery, Sporting Kansas City, Pella Windows, Toppling Goliath, CBD of Lawrence, River Rat, Print and Skate, Jayhawk Trophy, Hawaiian Bros, and the Lawrence Public Library. Our first matchup today brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery. Open for dine-in, carry-out, and catering. Outdoor patio is a great spot to enjoy the warm weather. Try the Bill Self Mac and Cheese. The Haney Turkey Stack or any of the great menu items. And don't forget about the 23rd Street Brewery's beer, which you can get to go as well with their crowlers. All right, we got a jam-packed day of RCST trivia matchups. Four matchups coming your way t- today. And the first one is an 8-9 matchup between a couple of newcomers. Let's welcome on our contestants. Chris Conway taking us in this 8-9 matchup first. Let's meet the 8-seed, Chris Conway. Welcome to Rock Chuck Sports Talk. Welcome to RCST Trivia. How you doing today, Chris? Thanks for having me. Doing well. Excited. Chris, where are you uh, coming to us from today? I'm coming from Fayetteville, Arkansas. Fayetteville, Arkansas. So what does a guy from Fayetteville or in Fayetteville, Arkansas know about Kansas basketball? Uh, I've grown up on it. I think I know a lot, but uh, we'll see. 
how you fit? Did you do anything to uh, to prepare? Did you do anything to, to get yourself ready for the competition? Uh, I mean, I looked over a few things, but I mean, I uh, I'd say I follow it all pretty extensively since I was a little kid. So I uh, just kind of a lot back in my head, but we'll, we, we shall see. All right, let's see and let's meet your competitor for today, the nine seed, Austin Bussing. Austin, what's going on, man? Hey, uh, doing well. Just a little uh, trying to get over some pregame jitters, you know. Pregame jitters. So uh, nerves, you think, may play a factor in your uh, RCST trivia debut? Well, ideally, they, they won't play a factor. I mean, I like the 30 seconds uh, that we have now. I'm going to take full advantage of that time if I need it. Um, so hopefully I'll be able to keep them under control. Okay, guys, let's go over uh, a few rules before we get going. Obviously, you guys are familiar with the format. We're going to ask you questions back and forth, getting progressively harder as we move through. If you guys both answer correctly, we move from the easiest tier to the second easiest tier and so on and so forth until one of you guys answers correctly and the other one answers incorrectly, at which point that person would move on to the next round of competition. You have 30 seconds to answer. If you answer correctly, you're going to hear a sound like this. If you answer incorrectly, you're going to hear a sound like this. We will give you a five-second warning. So your timer is going to start as soon as I get done asking the question. When you have five seconds left, you're going to hear this ticking sound followed by a bell. All we ask you to do is start your answer before you hear that bell. If you have an answer by the time that bell sounds, we're going to count it as incorrect so use your time wisely but also be cognizant of the fact that you do have a uh, limited time to get your answer out chris austin before we get this thing going you guys good to go do you have any questions any final statements you want to make before we set this thing off yes sir all right let let your trivia knowledge do the talking today austin uh you are technically the underdog here as the nine seed so we're going to give you the option of answering first or answering second which would you like to choose here uh, i'll go second okay so that means chris as the eight seed the first question is yours and let's go ahead and get it started now first question chris who is ku's head coach bill self bill self that is the correct answer just got a pickle contract extension so easy one there for you Let's move on. Now, Austin, your first question. Prior to Bill Self, another Hall of Fame coach was at KU. He left for North Carolina. What's his name? Uh, Roy Williams. Roy Williams is the correct answer. Now retired Roy Williams. Okay, smooth sailing in uh, the really easy tier of questions. So we'll go back to you, Chris, for your next one. Name a KU assistant basketball coach that was with the team last season. Jaren's Howard. Jaren's Howard, that is correct. He was with the team last season, just took a job uh, with Chris Beard's staff down at Texas. We'll go back to you now, Austin, for your next question. KU's current strength coach is Ranji, Ramsey Nijem. He took over after his predecessor left for the University of Texas. What was her name? That's uh, Andrea Hoody. Andrea Hoody. That's right. So two for two for both you guys. Now we're going to move on to the medium tier of questions. And Chris, we'll go back to you for your third. Chris, who averaged more points per game? Diedrich Lawson at Kansas or Devon Dotson as a sophomore? 
I believe Devon Dotson averaged 20 as a sophomore, and I think Diedrich averaged 19, if I'm correct. That is incorrect. Diedrich Lawson actually averaged 19.4 points per game, while Devon Dotson averaged 18.1 points oh, per game brutal. as a sophomore. So a slight advantage for Diedrich there. Austin, that means if you can answer this question correctly, you will win your matchup and move on to the second round. Austin, here is your question. Who averaged more rebounds per game? Diedrich Lawson at Kansas or Landon Lucas as a senior? Oof. I'm going to go Landon Lucas as a senior. That is incorrect. Diedrich Lawson averaged 10.3 rebounds per game. And Landon Lucas, as a senior, averaged 8.3 rebounds a game. Okay, so you guys are both still alive. Let's take a quick little timeout here. I'm going to gauge how you guys are feeling after that round. This is the first time this has happened so far this year. Uh, Chris, you were maybe feeling the nerves there a little bit after missing that one. Uh, Was that that just a a brain freeze? Did you know it right after I said that it was actually DJ? What were you thinking there? I originally thought it was... And then uh, for some reason, I feel like I remember a stat, a stat uh, of 20 points a game with Devon that might have been Big 12 play. I don't know, but I, I should have went with my original gut pick. But Austin, you had the win in your sights. Let it slip away. How are you feeling? You still got some confidence? I, I still have some confidence, but it's funny. It's the exact same thing applies. I should have gone with my gut, and I psyched myself out because I thought it's not going to be Diedrich twice in a row, uh, but it was. <laughs> Yes, it was. Okay, you guys, take a deep breath. You guys are both still in it. We're going to stay in the medium tier of questions. And Chris, we're going back to you now. And here is your next question. Which player, Chris, led KU in scoring per game during the 2008 NCAA tournament? Uh, Mario Chalmers, I believe. That is incorrect. The correct answer was Brandon Rush. He averaged 15.8 points per game during the 2008 NCAA tournament. All right, Austin, so you've got another opportunity to win here. Here is your question. Who did Brandon Rush score his NCAA tournament career high in points against during the 2008 NCAA tournament run? Hmm. Hmm. Okay, so let's see. I'm just going to guess. So to run through this, you have, well, no. Yeah, you have Portland State, UNLV, Nova, Davidson, uh, UNC, and Memphis. I'm going to say UNC. Sorry, you, you cut out there. Oh, Can you say that one more time? Yeah, I'm going to say out. UNC. UNC is my guess. UNC is correct. That's what I cool. thought you said, but I wasn't sure. Maybe some potential controversy, UNC, UNLV, <laughs> but North Carolina is correct. That was Brandon Rush's career high in the NCAA tournament, and congratulations to you, Austin. You took advantage of your second opportunity. You get the win, and you're moving on. 
you were right up against it there with the timer. And then, I mean, the talk about the timing of cutting out mid-answer. We heard the UN. And yeah, yeah. Well, I, so I, I hate to have it come down to what seems like a, a technicality like that. And we'll see. I don't know how the recording is going to come out in post, but uh, hopefully it's clear <laughs> that I did say UNC. Um, it's, uh, to be honest, UNC was a guess. I, I was running through the teams that I knew KU beat, and I figured somebody had to have a big game to, to get past UNC. I know Cole Aldrich came in and on defense shut down Hansboro, but uh, the, the guess about Rush was, was just that, just a guess. Yeah, so a lot of people remember that game against North Carolina where Brandon Rush went off at the beginning of the game and KU um, surged out to a big to a big lead, but yeah, that was um, 25 points for Brandon Rush in that first game. Uh, obviously, Chris, it's a tough feeling. I can I can see it in your face. How you feeling right now, man? I knew the I knew the Brandon Rush question. So he had 12 points. <laughs> it was 12 points Brandon Rush versus 12 North Carolina. But yeah. man, uh, good congrats, Austin. Uh, yeah, definitely a, a tough one though. See, I think everybody's mind immediately goes when you think about the 2008 NCAA tournament you think about Mario Chalmers, right? Because yeah. you think about that shot. Is that what kind of was going through your head when you answered Mario? No, I, I genuinely thought like he, I mean, I mean, the only other pick was, was B-Rush. I mean, Russell yeah. Robinson wasn't scoring that much. Darnell, I mean, Drell, or yeah, I mean, Shady was good, but not, not the leading scorer. But yeah, it was one of those two in this wrong guess. Well, Chris, we appreciate you being a part of RCST Trivia. Uh, admirable effort. Austin, congratulations. Moving on to the second round, guys. That was a great Thanks matchup. Maybe the most tense one we've had so far. So thank you so much, fellas. Have a good one. All right, matchup number two today. We have got a veteran versus a newcomer. Let's get to meet our contestants. It's the 215 matchup in the West region. First, uh, he was in the competition a year ago, made it all the way to the round of eight, the two seed Steve Fetch with us once again. Steve, what's happening, man? Hey, how's it going? Doing well. So you obviously were knocking on the door of uh, Final Four birth last year. How much has that sort of stuck with you in the back of your head all offseason? Well, I, I think it's more, and I don't remember the exact question, but it's the fact that I got out to a really stupid question, and, and so I had to feel like an idiot for the last, you know, whatever. So I think even if I lose early, as long as it's on, you know, not an easy question, I'll be okay with it. That's a good mindset to have, right? Control the controllables as long as it's one you should get, right? Take care of business. Well, you'll be taking on a uh, RCST Trivia newcomer, the 15 seed Ty Rowell with us here on RCST Trivia. Ty, how you doing, man? How you feeling ahead of your first ever RCST Trivia matchup? What up, Nick? Uh, shoot, I'm, I'm feeling good. I love KU, I love trivia. I think this is awesome, so I'm glad y'all let me be a part of it. Well, we're glad to have you a part of it, guys. Um, before we get going, I'll go over some of the rules and the formats here really quickly. Uh, so we're gonna ask you guys a series of questions. We're gonna alternate back and forth until one of you guys gets a question right, one of you guys gets it wrong. We'll start with the easiest questions. They will get progressively harder as you guys move throughout the rounds. There are five levels of difficulty. If you guys both answer incorrectly, we're going back and asking you another series of questions from that same tier. We did change the time limit this year. You now have 30 seconds to answer. If you answer correctly, you're going to hear this sound. If you answer incorrectly, you're going to hear this sound. And when you have five seconds remaining, you're going to hear this ticking. All we ask is that you get an answer off before you hear this buzzer, which you can hear right there. 
If you don't answer before that buzzer sounds, we're going to count it as incorrect as you have run out of time. Steve, Ty, I think that's about everything. Uh, do you guys have any questions before we get going here? Nope. Ready to go. Ready to roll. All righty, guys. Well, Ty, you are the 15 seed, the underdog. We will give you the opportunity to choose whether you'd like to answer first or second. Uh, I'll go first. Okay. Is going to start us off here. Round number one of RCST Trivia. Ty, here is your first question. The 2020 Smith Defensive Player of the Year was KU's senior point guard this year. What's his name? Marcus Garrett. Marcus Garrett is correct. An easy one. And uh, your first correct answer. Now, Steve, our first question. KU's other scholarship senior announced that he will return next year for year number six. What's this big man's name? Uh, That would be Mitch Lightfoot. That would be Mitch Lightfoot. Year number six for Mitch. All right. Smooth sailing through the first round of questions. Ty, we'll go back to you now. Question number two. Who led Kansas in rebounds per game this past season? In rebounds per game. Um, let's go with Dave McCormick. No. That is incorrect. Uh, the correct answer was Jalen Wilson. He averaged 7.9 oh. rebounds per game this past year. David McCormick averaged 6.1 you rebounds him. per game. <laughs> All right, uh, Steve, you got a chance here to put him away. If you can answer this question correctly, who led Kansas in assists per game this past season? Well, there's only really one guy that makes any sense to me, so I guess I'm just going to say Marcus Garrett. That's correct. Marcus Garrett, 3.7 assists per game this past season. Uh, Juan Harris averaged 2.2 assists per game. So just like that, Steve, answer two questions correctly, and you are moving on to the second round for the second year in a row. How do you feel? Pretty good. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, a couple of uh, opportunities to, to slip up, both of that Jalen Wilson one and that Marcus Garrett one. Obviously, no one really passed the ball very well this year, apparently, with that low of an assist total. So just uh, survive in advance, happy to move on. Would you have guessed uh, Jalen Wilson for the rebounding question? Uh, I would, uh, but like I, I said to you, I, I probably, uh, you know, would have gotten the, uh, I don't know if you're going to air this part, but the scoring question, I probably would have gotten that one wrong. So, uh, you know, just, just a matter of which ones you, which questions you get, I guess. Ty, uh, I know that was a tough one. You said you felt like you got tricked there uh, on that question. <laughs> Stumbled a little bit. How you feeling, man? This was fun, and uh, hopefully I can try to bounce back next year. Yes, sir. Well, we're ho- hoping to see you back. We appreciate you uh, you being a part of it, man. Thank you so much for hopping on today. Sure. Yeah, thanks for having me. Good luck, Steve. RCST Trivia brought to you by Toppling Goliath with a brewery and tap room located in Decorah, Iowa. Toppling Goliath features 10 of the top 250 beers in the world, according to Beer Advocate. That also includes three of the top 10, three of the top 10 world beers, and six of the top 100. If you're not going to be making it up to Decorah anytime soon, don't worry. You can order Toppling Goliath Apparel and beer at tgbrews.com.
All right, matchup number three here today for RCST Trivia, the 6-11 matchup. Let's meet our competitors, Justin versus Brian, the six seed. Justin joins us now on RCST Trivia. Justin, what's going on, man? Not much. It's a busy day, but glad to be on with you. Okay, so are you distracted? Are, are you are, are you going to be able to sort of zone out the distractions and focus on the task at hand here? I'm taking a late. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm an elementary principal, and I'm taking a late lunch because of this. So I got like <laughs> ten minutes. So we're good. All right. Can you can you disclose? Can you disclose which school you're an elementary principal at? Can you do it uh, for your students? Uh, Marion Elementary in Marion, Kansas. We're about an hour and a half away from you. Okay, so you got a. I'm assuming a, a lot of. A lot of little kiddos running around there who are going to be very proud of their principal if he can uh, make some noise here in the tournament. But first, you got to get past your first competitor. The 11 seed Brian joins us now on the show. Brian, what's going on, man? How you doing? Good. Early lunch here for me, West Coast. Okay, West Coast. Where are you coming to us from? Uh, Portland, Oregon. Portland. And uh, what is your connection to KU? Born and raised there in Kansas, and I graduate in 92. All right. Awesome. Well, we've got some West Coast flavor here in RCST trivia. Guys, before we get going, I'll run through how this is going to work. I'm going to ask you guys each a series of questions alternating back and forth, and we will do that until one of you guys gets it right and one of you guys gets it wrong. If you guys both get it right, we move on to a more difficult set of questions. You guys both answer incorrectly. We'll go back and ask you another set of questions from that level. You have 30 seconds to answer. If you get it right, you'll hear this. If you get it wrong, you'll hear this. And when you have five seconds left on the clock, you're going to hear this ticking sound. You got to answer before you hear that bell. You hear that bell? Get that answer off. Otherwise, we're going to count it as incorrect. Do you guys have any questions before we start the competition? All right, Justin, Brian, let's get it going. Brian, you are the 11 seed. You're the underdog. We'll give you the option of answering first or answering second. Which do you choose? Uh, I'll go first, I guess. Okay, Brian, your first question. Here it is. In the 2019-2020 season, Kansas had two All-Americans on the roster. Name one of them. Devon Dotson. Devon Dotson is correct. The other acceptable answer would have been Yudoka Azabuki. All right, Justin, your first question. Name any freshman one-and-done player to play at Kansas? Uh, Josh Jackson. Josh Jackson is correct. That's actually the most recent one-and-done player to come through Kansas. All right, let's move on to the next level of questions. And, Brian, this one is for you. Kansas opened the 2020-2021 season by losing a non-conference game to what member of the West Coast Conference? Gonzaga. That is right. Gonzaga, the national runner-up this year. Okay, Justin, back to you for your second question. What Blue Blood program did Kansas defeat in the Champions Classic this past season? Uh, Kentucky. Kentucky is correct. Two for two for both you guys. Now let's move on to question number three. These are going to get just a little bit more tricky. Brian, here's your next question. What is the name of the KU point guard 
who led the 2014 Jayhawks in assists per game. 2014? That would be the freshman-laden 2014 oh, basketball team. Oh, 2014. Uh, Frank Mason? That would be incorrect. Frank Mason was on that team, but the player who led the team in assists that year would have been a non-freshman, Nadir Tharp. All right, so Justin, if you can answer this question correctly, you're going to be moving on to the round of 32. Here it is, Justin. The 1996-1997 Kansas team was considered by many to be the greatest Kansas team of all time. Which player led that team in blocks per game? There's two I can pick from. I'm going to go with Rafe LaFrentz. That is incorrect. The correct answer was, and it, I'm, I'm guessing you probably know this, was Scott Pollard. Yep. All right. So, Justin, Brian, you guys both still alive. Both missed one. So, we're going to go back to another round of questioning here from this third tier, and we're going to go back to you now. Brian, name this former KU player who played for the Jayhawks from 2012 to 2014 and eventually transferred to both Nebraska and Syracuse. Andrew White. Andrew White is correct. So now, Justin, we will go back to you. You need this one in order to stay alive. Name this former KU player who played for the Jayhawks in 2013 and 2014, one season, and transferred to Wichita State. Played at Wichita North, three-point shooter. Can't think of it. I, it. He's balding and he's, yeah, I can't think of it, man. Got a guess? No, I don't. I, I can't think of the top of my head. The correct answer, mm. Justin, Connor Frankamp. Frankamp, yeah. And you, you named every single thing about him other than his name. You know where he was from. I, you knew what he looked like. You knew how he played. You just couldn't get the name. This happened last year. I got knocked out the first round because I didn't have the first name. I had the last name, and I can tell you everything about the guy except for the first name. So next year, I'm going to get back in this, and I will know <laughs> first and last. I will be getting the second round. So uh, That's tough. I guess it's better than not having a clue, right? If, if you didn't have a clue, we'd say, man, you don't even belong here. But you, you tripped up on the name, and it's understandable. Brian, uh, Andrew White sending you on to the round of 32. How's it feel? Good. First time. I guess first time in the tournament, getting an advance to the second round. Cool. 
There you go. Well, congratulations to you, Brian, Justin. Thank you once again for being a part of RCST Trivia. You guys were great. Thanks again. Thank you, guys. Appreciate yeah, it. thanks for doing it. RCST Trivia is brought to you by Sporting Kansas City. MLS is back. After finishing at the top of the Western Conference last season, Sporting Kansas City is ready to take the field and paint the wall this year. And if you haven't heard, Sporting Kansas City will be welcoming a limited capacity crowd again this season. To watch Sporting Kansas City live and in person this year, go to SeatGeek.com SKC. And because you're a listener of Rock Chalk Sports Talk, use the code SKCRCST at checkout to get an exclusive discount on tickets. Again, use the code SKCRCST at checkout and receive an exclusive discount for our listeners at checkout. We'll see you at Children's Mercy Park. All right, last matchup of the day for RCST Trivia. It's the 314 matchup between Kyle and Chris. Let's get to know our contestants. Kyle, a three seed, he's got some RCST Trivia experience. Back in it for the second straight year. Kyle, what's going on, man? Uh, just uh, nervous and excited to start the redemption tour. So hopefully Chris doesn't knock me out quick here. And then, uh, you know, the nerves were, were compiled when I think Derek picked me to make the final four. So... Uh, I've got to show up today. A lot of pressure on my shoulders. Uh, Kyle, do you feel like the experience from last year is uh, is an advantage? Have you learned anything from being a part of this a season ago? Uh, I, I think for me, it's good. I think the thing that makes me nervous is you'd almost rather play somebody that was in it last year and playing somebody brand new. You have no idea. Like, there could be a juggernaut coming to the table round one. So it only takes one question, you're done. <laughs> well, let's find out. Let's find out if you're going up against a juggernaut. The 14th seed, Chris, joining us now on RCST Trivia. Chris, how's it going? Are you a juggernaut? Let us know. <laughs> no. Kyle's about to crush me. I'm just here for fun, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. If I get you know? lucky, I get lucky. I'm basketball. You ask me something else. Kyle's going to walk away with this one. <laughs> well, fortunately for you, this is a basketball trivia question, but uh, I don't know. Maybe you're you're going with the rope-a-dope strategy. We'll find out momentarily. <laughs> guys, before we get going, I'm going to go over how this is going to work, okay? Uh, I'm going to ask you guys each a series of questions, alternating back and forth between each one of you. We will go until one of you guys answers it right, one of you guys answers it wrong, at which point we will have our winner. You guys both answer incorrectly. I'll ask you another set of questions around the same difficulty level. You guys both answer correctly. We move on to the next round of more difficult questions. You have 30 seconds to answer your questions. So no need to rush, use your time wisely, but we will play you a sounder when you've got five seconds left. It sounds like that. When you hear that, you got five seconds. Give us an answer before you hear that bell ringing. If you don't answer by then, incorrect. You have run out of time. Kyle, Chris, you guys ready to go? Oh, yeah. Do it. All right. Uh, Chris, you're the newcomer, and you are the underdog as the 14th seed. So I'm going to give you the option of going first or second. I'll go first. Okay, Chris, here's your first question. What's the name of the arena that Kansas plays in? Allen Fieldhouse. Allen Fieldhouse. That is a layup. That is correct. Kyle, here's your first question. What city is the University of Kansas in? Oh, boy. Uh, we'll go with Lawrence. All right, there we go. No stumbling in the first round of questions. Let's move on. Let's test you guys a little bit. All right, we'll go back to you now, Chris. What's the name of the KU walk-on who banked in a three at the end of the KU bail in Waco this past season that helped them cover the spread? Oh, God. 
KU walk on. Tehan? That is correct. Chris Tehan. A lot of betters were paying close attention to the end of that game. All right, your next question now. Kyle, what's the name of the KU walk on who was a tight end on the football team and joined the 2008 team would have two points in KU's final four loss to Villanova? Did you say two? Oh, yeah, 2008. James Sosinski. That's right. Kansas basketball legend, James Sosinski. Okay, two for two for both you guys. Now we're going to move on to the next level, and we're going to go back to you now, Chris. Frank Mason scored more points per game in an individual season than any Bill Self player at KU. Who is second on that list? Points per game under Bill Self. Wayne Simeon. That is correct. 20.3 points per game for Wayne Simeon. All right. Quick answer there, Kyle. We're going back to you now. What KU player averaged more assists per game in one season than any other of the Bill Self era? Aaron Miles. That is correct. Aaron Miles, 7.3 assists per game, narrowly edging out Devontae Graham. Okay. We are going to round number four. It's the first time this has happened so far this year. So we've got ourselves quite a matchup here. Things are getting tense. And we're going back to you now, Chris. Before rattling off 18 straight wins in the 2017 season, when Frank Mason won National Player of the Year, Kansas opened the season by losing in an overtime game played in Hawaii to this Big Ten team. Michigan State? That is incorrect. It was actually Indiana was the correct answer. KU lost to Indiana 103 to 99 to open the season. So, Kyle, if you can answer this question correctly, you're going to be moving on to the round of 32. That same Kansas team in 2017 only lost one home game, only lost one game at Allen Fieldhouse. What Big 12 team took them down? Oklahoma State. It is incorrect. It was Iowa State. 92-89, that game was also in overtime. All right, these are the tough questions, boys. So you guys are both still alive. Take a deep breath. Everything's still out in front of you. Chris, got a second chance at life here. All right, we're going to give you another one here. Chris, here's your next one. Nine players in Big 12 history have crossed the 2,000-point mark. Only one of them played at KU. Who was it? Danny Manning. That is incorrect. Uh, It sounds like you already know. 
Yeah, that was Big Eight. That is correct. Yeah, uh, flip. <laughs> the correct answer was Nick Collison. Yeah. Nick Collison, the only Kansas player with 2,000 points in the Big 12. All right, uh, so Kyle, once again, you got the kill shot right here. All right, man, you got your opportunity to get the win. Can you take advantage of it? Here's your question, Kyle. Blake Griffin holds the Big 12 record for career 20 rebound games. He had five of them. What KU player is second on that list with three 20 rebound games? Gago Nick Collison. That is incorrect. Oh my God. This guy played with Nick Collison. Drew Gooden. Uh, I was going to say Drew. <laughs> Drew Gooden with three 20 rebound games. Okay, so we're 0 for last four after starting six for six. Kyle, Chris, you guys are giving us a great matchup here. That's right. Both you guys take a drink, take a deep breath, compose yourself. Chris. Still alive, man. Here's your next one, okay? Chris, in the Elite Eight of the 2017 NCAA tournament, Kansas lost to Oregon. Who was the Ducks' big man who went for 11 points, 13 rebounds, and eight blocks in that game? That's Chris Boucher. Chris Boucher. <gasps> the answer was Jordan Bell. Oh, Jordan Bell had 11, 13, and 8. All right, maybe the third time's the charm for Kyle once again, man. Kyle, you got the chance to put Chris away. In the second round of 2018 NCAA tournament, KU beat Seton Hall despite one of the Pirates players going for 24 points and 23 rebounds. What was the name of that player? That Delgado. That is correct. Angel Delgado. The third time was the charm. Kyle gets it right and is moving on to the second round, man. You had to be pretty nervous after uh, missing your first two opportunities to get the win there, Kyle. I, I didn't love it. And I, I, I knew the answer to Chris's stuff. And I don't know if you felt the other <laughs> way about mine. And I just kept thinking, like, I'll know it. And then I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> All this transfer stuff going on today, the last couple of days have been driving me crazy. I'm <laughs> well, that was Chris, were you thinking the same thing? Did you know? Did you know some of uh, of Kyle's answers? Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> well, that was a great that was a great matchup, guys. That's what uh, RCST trivia is all about. We get those uh, those tense matchups. You guys gave us the best one so far, so. Chris, great effort. Kyle, congrats. You move into the next round. Both you guys, thank you so much. Oh, congrats, brother. I'll uh, be here next Thanks, year. Chris. That was fun. Thanks, Nate. Thanks, Derek. RCSD Trivia is brought to you by Pella Windows. Pella Product of Kansas is your one-stop shop for all your window and door needs. Pella offers everything from turnkey window and door replacements to experts in the field that can work with your contractor and find the perfect solution for that project to make your house feel like a home. Whether you're building a home, taking on a remodeling project, or simply want the best replacement solution, Pella Windows has all your answers. Stop by the newly remodeled showroom on the northwest corner of 6th and Wakarusa or call 785-749-4808. Don't hesitate. Appointments are filling up fast. 
So Bryce Thompson makes it five, five, five KU players, all from the bench a season ago, who have entered the transfer portal. He is certainly the most surprising of the bunch because I think a lot of people expected him to take a big leap as a sophomore. But I guess in this new era of freedom of movement in college basketball, nothing should really come as much of a surprise. Let's talk to Kevin Flaherty, 24-7 Sports, who joins us now on the show. Kevin, do you do you think we're, we're witnessing a, a change in eras of college basketball? Somebody mentioned that to me on Twitter earlier, that we're going from the, the one-and-done movement to the free agency era of college basketball. Do you think that's a, an accurate depiction of, of what we're witnessing right now? Yeah, I think that it certainly is this year. I'll, I'll be interested to see if it holds up after this year because I think the thing that makes a lot of these guys so attractive right now is the fact that you had the COVID pause, that guys basically, it, it's like last this past year didn't even happen from an eligibility standpoint. It's likely that players will get, you know, sort of this one-time only uh, waiver to play immediately. Uh, some people think that that could become a permanent thing. And if it does, then, yeah, that could usher in, you know, more years like like what we're seeing right now. But I, I think right now what, what makes it kind of unique is, you know, coming off of the COVID year with all the things that that meant from, you know, a mental health standpoint, from, you know, the fact that, you know, it, it just wasn't what a lot of people or players, I should say, sort of pictured their college basketball careers or seasons looking like. Uh, and, and then you come out on the other side of that and maybe you say, you know what, this this year really wasn't as fun for me. I, I'm going to go ahead and and look somewhere else. And I think the other thing, too, is with that immediate eligibility probably pending, you know, teams are able to go out and get somebody, you know, like a Daniel Yusufu, who not only has multiple years of eligibility, but is also somebody that can come in and impact you right away rather than having to sit for a year. And so I think that with all of that being said, I think that all kind of adds up to to this really unprecedented year that, that we've seen in the transfer portal. And, and you're going to see some teams, I think, out there. I think South Alabama has seven transfers right now that they've landed. So you're going to see some teams out there where half of their roster, maybe more, is literally coming from the transfer portal. They're coming from other schools as opposed to somebody that you pick up in recruiting. Do you think that this will – be similar to the one-and-done era for the programs that really go all-in on it, just from the aspect of, of of just trying to sort of compact the roster building and, and everything that you're used to doing in three or four years into one year, right? Because Kentucky and Duke have sort of went all-in on that with the one-and-done era, whereas Kansas, Bill Self, maybe dipped his toes into the water. But you realize the difficulties that come with that. Do you think it's similar with the, the transfer portal route, if you do have a program that, that brings in three, four, five new guys and, and just trying to get everything to mesh in a span of eight or nine months? I think a lot of coaches are getting ready to find out that maybe John Calipari is a little bit better at certain things than they realize. <laughs> and, and a big part of that is the fact that, like you talked about, he's somebody that deals with, you know, these these sort of regular roster resets at getting kids to buy in, you know, over a short period of time, at getting them to buy into, 
you know, playing roles because when you go into the transfer portal and you're looking as a Kansas or a Kentucky, typically speaking, you're not looking at guys who are role players at their previous stops. You're usually looking at at players who were stars at their previous spots and and then you're trying to convince them to fit into the team as a whole. So I do see a lot of similarities there. I think you know, one of the one of the really tough things about it uh, for for the players is going to be, you know, when you come in as a one and done type guy. I, I think you can always stick around for another year if if things didn't quite work out that way. Whereas a lot of the guys in the transfer portal, maybe they only have one year of eligibility left, and so if you make a decision to go to a Kentucky or a Kansas or North Carolina or for that matter anywhere, you know, a UTSA or Texas State or, or Tulsa, and it doesn't work out for you and you're a one-year transfer, you know, you don't have any extra time. You can't make up for that year if you make a bad decision. And so I, I think that there, there are a lot of things to, to consider there as well. And, and I do think that maybe some of the coaches who have had to deal with multiple one-and-dones or, or even, you know, rosters almost full of them – are maybe going to have a little bit of a head start in terms of knowing how to manage personalities and getting guys to to you know become part of a fully functioning team as opposed to just looking at it as their one year in the sun. What about specifically for Bryce Thompson? You, I, I feel like KU certainly would have liked to see him back next year, and I think he's a guy a lot of people would have pointed to to say you know, that's a an easy candidate to target as somebody who may take a big leap from his freshman to sophomore year. We thought that he came to Kansas because of in large part the relationship that his his father had having had played for Bill Self at Tulsa yet you know even he isn't impervious to you know taking this opportunity to transfer. Like do you do you view that as something that that KU will look at and say we we could have handled this differently. There's if this played out a little bit differently then maybe he's back for his sophomore year or do you just chalk it up like you would anybody else and say in this sort of new age of college basketball, everybody's going to to have this opportunity, and more guys are probably going to continue to, you know, take use of it. I think you look at each situation differently, and with Bryce Thompson, I'm not really sure what Kansas could have or should have done differently. You know, obviously with the with the injuries there and the things that that kind of slowed the progress, I thought. You know, Bryce developed a little bit of a, a hitch in his jump shot that wasn't really there in high school. And, and he was somebody that I thought, you know, and that's not disparaging him as a player. I, I actually think he'll iron that out pretty quickly and become a really good player wherever he winds up next, whether that's Tulsa or Oklahoma State or, or wherever. But at the same time, you know, I, I didn't think that Bryce Thompson was one of those guys. With certain people, you can maybe see, okay, this this guy, it, it didn't work out because of personality or, or it didn't work out because they're buried. They wanted more time and it, and it didn't work out that way. You know, Walker Kessler at North Carolina, you look at it and say, well, this past year he came in as a five-star recruit and he played the fourth most minutes out of all their big men. So you can understand why, even though North Carolina was sitting there saying, hey, you're going to play a lot more as a sophomore, you know, maybe he didn't want to hear it after after that point. But Bryce Thompson, I, I thought, you know, they they really wanted to get actively involved, and I, I thought that when he was healthy, he was somebody that that they believed in, that they tried to get time with. And, and I'm right there with you, Nick. I don't think with some guys you look at and you say, okay, 
this was maybe a situation where the coaches went up to a player and said, you know, you're probably not going to play here, or, you know, maybe maybe you should look at your other options, et cetera. Uh, but I don't think that's the case with Bryce Thompson. I, I really think that had Bryce Thompson come back to Kansas this year, a lot of people, and I would be one of them, where he fit in really well with next year's team, I think there would have been a really good shot for him to start with next year's team and potentially even beyond that, be a breakout guy and a star on next year's team, especially, you know, if he did make that jump from his freshman to his sophomore season. And so I have a really hard time looking at the Bryce Thompson situation and saying, okay, this is, this is one where the Kansas coaches probably wanted him gone. It's, it's also kind of easy to look at it and say he's just as likely to have been sort of saddled and buried in the rotation again next year, though, wouldn't, wouldn't you think? Like, with just the names that are out there and the guys we already know who are in tow for next year, it's it doesn't seem inconceivable that he could wind up being the eighth, ninth guy once again and then saying, okay, another year wasted. That, that's definitely possible if it went that way, and I don't know that it would have. I think the, the wild cards out there from that perspective are Ty Ty Washington because I think if Ty Ty Washington – were to choose Kansas, he would probably be the best pro prospect on the team, would probably be a guy that that would slide into a starting spot, whether that's, you know, alongside somebody, you know, as the as the second point guard or, or whether they just put the ball in his hands from the word go and say, Okay, you're you're the point guard, go get it. I, I think that he probably would have won a starting spot. And I think the other guy that that's still sitting out there that makes all this interesting is Marcus Garrett. Because a lot of people aren't necessarily, you know, talking about Garrett in terms of, you know, will he or won't he. But at the same time, that's still there. That's still a possibility that he could come back. And one of the things that's interesting to me is with Kansas landing, you know, Yusufu, that's somebody that can come in and play the point guard spot, which allows Garrett to slide off the ball to maybe his more comfortable position. And we've seen in the past couple of years and last year when he played alongside DeWan Harris, you know, Marcus Garrett's athleticism plays a lot better when he's on the wing and able to take on guys off the dribble who aren't necessarily point guards and can get underneath them and make his life a little bit more difficult from a ball handling standpoint. And so that's kind of the one scenario. And I know that was a long way to go into it, but that's the one scenario where I look at it and say, okay, Bryce Thompson's situation right now, it looks like he would be a huge part of the team. If Garrett and Ty Ty Washington were both to come to Kansas, Garrett, in Garrett's case, obviously come back to Kansas, all of a sudden you're, you're kind of looking at a situation where you're saying, okay, now maybe Bryce Thompson gets pushed down the heap a little bit more and doesn't have the playing time that he would want. That's interesting because... I certainly hadn't con- really considered the possibility of, of Marcus Garrett coming back, but uh, we're about we're closing in on about what three four weeks since the season's ended for Kansas, and we still haven't heard a formal decision made by Marcus. But I guess he does have time. Do you think that could be sort of a, an eleventh hour surprise if he goes to the combine and doesn't get whatever sort of feedback he's looking for that he could say, "Screw it, I might as well just go back to Kansas for another year." Sure, absolutely. And the the good thing for Kansas is obviously they don't have to count him as part of the scholarship limit. 
So whereas in most years you'd be sitting there thinking, do we take you know somebody to replace Marcus Garrett or not? Because we don't know if he's coming back. You can go ahead and recruit like he's not going to be on the team, and then if he joins your team, it, it's almost all upside. And so I, I do think that that's that's a definite possibility out there. I think the best chance for for Kansas to to bring Marcus Garrett back probably you know, came with landing a, another point guard type that would allow him to start at the, the two or the three spot. And, and that's exactly what they did. And and so I think when you look at it from, from that perspective, returning may, makes a lot of sense for him, especially you look at the fact that he shot the ball better this year, you know, shot the ball more often this year. You know, if he comes back next year, and shoots the way he did at the end of the season, but but does so over the course of a full season. And I, it feels like we've said this every year of Marcus's career, but he really did, I think, show an uptick, and especially at the free throw line this past year. If he makes those improvements, all of a sudden his professional future looks vastly different than it does right now. Kevin Flaherty, 24-7 Sports, with us here for a few more minutes on Rock Chuck Sports Talk. Uh, Kevin, who's going to be KU's football coach next year? <laughs> just, just put me on the spot with that one, aren't you? Well, I'm not asking you to, uh, to break the news, but I mean, you know, the names as well as, as I do that have been sort of floated out there. Obviously you've still got Emmett Jones with the interim tag, but, uh, sure. Jeff, Jeff Munkin at army, Lance Leopold at Buffalo, Willie Fritz at Tulane. Those have been the names I think we have heard circulating the most, um, in terms of fit. In terms of guy you would be most excited about, guy you would be most confident in being able to to make some actual traction at Kansas. What's the name that you kind of find yourself gravitating towards if there is one? You know, I don't know if there is one because I, I think, and I'm not trying to dodge the question, but I think that the three guys that you mentioned would all bring different, you know, reasons to be excited if they were the, the Kansas football head coach. And you know, obviously the, the argument for, for sticking with Emmett Jones is, you know, you, you have the staff in place. There's, there's a year here where you could, you know, potentially evaluate him as a head coach and say, okay, you know, do we already have this guy on campus? You know, the players all obviously are, are kind of behind uh, Emmett Jones as head coach, and you get to keep, you know, the staff and recruiting class and all of those different things along with that. But with the three new guys, I think that all of them, there's not necessarily a bad candidate among those three. And that hasn't always been the case with Kansas football when it goes into hirings. I think that when you look at Turner Gill was, was a defensible hire, I thought at the time, uh, but you know, wasn't uh, obviously didn't work out. I think that most of us, and probably you and Derek included, Nick, you know, scratched our heads when Charlie Weiss was hired, and, and you know, said, "Man, you know, if if there wasn't a, a better candidate than this, and it turns out there were better candidates, but you know, Weiss was the one that emerged out of that." And so, when you when you look at these three guys, I don't think that Kansas can go wrong with Fritz, Leopold, or, or Monken. I mean, all of them bring their bring their own different strengths. I think all of them have proven themselves at, at different levels. And, and I think all of them, you know, from what I've heard at least, are, are committed to doing a lot of the things like recruiting locally and 
and things of that nature that, that maybe Kansas has gotten away from that, that they need to do a lot better of because no Kansas team in its history has found success without recruiting well locally. And so when you, when you look at, at all of those things, I, I don't know that one of them stands out to me as, yes, this is, this is the absolute no doubt A plus higher, but I also don't think that there's a Charlie Weiss in that bunch either where you, you look at it and you say, now that hire just didn't make any sense. What are we even doing here? Yeah, and I wonder, too, I, I, like when you're choosing between those guys, like what the pitch is that Kansas is going to look for, and that's what we don't know, right? Like we can talk about what we think is best, but you've now got a new AD that we don't really know his motivations. And is probably it was probably uh, a wise decision for, for Travis Goff to sort of play it close to the vest and his – in his opening uh, remarks or as AD last week, because now there's nothing we can really hold him to. You know, I, I, I love you making that point because, you know, way back when I was at the Kansan, which was probably like the sixties or fifties or, or whatever. Um, I wrote a story on Al Bull where I followed him around for a day and, and shadowed him and everything. And at one point, you know, we had spent the whole day together and I just broke down and asked him, you know, why did you hire Mark Mangino? And, and I think, you know, being a dumb college kid, one of the things that I said was, you know, Oklahoma has been winning with its defense and you just hired the offensive guy that all the OU fans wanted to run out of town when they fell to the Rose Bowl this past year. And, and you know, I'll, I'll never forget this. He said, you make the decision based on what you see in the room. And what stood out about Mark Mangino in that situation was he came into the meeting and he was the most prepared candidate Bowl had ever seen. He had contingencies upon contingencies upon contingencies. This is how we'll recruit. This is where we'll look. These are the people I want to coach with. If this guy won't come to be my running backs coach, I like this guy. He just, he had plans and backup plans and understood he seemed to understand what he was facing at Kansas, you know, better than anybody else as well. And so if you looked at the candidates when Mangino was hired, he wouldn't have necessarily jumped out as, okay, this guy is is the A-plus most qualified candidate. But in the room, when you're interviewing, when you're asking questions, when you're getting a feel for somebody and what their plan is, I think that's where you have to let the separation occur. That's where – you know, either Leopold impresses you or, or Fritz is the guy that, that makes you just want to stand up on the table and say, okay, this is the guy, or same with Monken. And so I, I think the separation really occurs, you know, not with what the resumes are, not with what they've done so far, but once you interview those guys and get a feel for them, you know, who who's your field guy? Who is the guy that you feel like, okay, this person understands the job the best, they're the best prepared they're going to be the ones that are going to find the most success. He's Kevin Flaherty. You can check out his work at 247sports.com. Kevin, appreciate it as always, man. Good stuff. Thanks a lot, Nick.